This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. From the exhibition floor at the 2018 Braille Conference, this AMI Audio Live presentation is coming your way. I'm Kelly McDonald, host of Kelly and Company, Ramya Muthan. My co-host is uh, alongside of me. If you want to reach out to her, she's at AllRams on Twitter, and I'm at AMI Kelly Mac. Uh, if you uh, want to reach out to the network itself, call us at one 509 4545 and give us permission if you don't mind us using your uh, message on any of our programs or our platforms, but otherwise we won't do that. Feedback at AMI.ca if you wish to send an email. And, of course, always can explore the Accessible Media Inc. Facebook page for information. Well, Ms. Amuthan, we're uh, getting to the end of the program and our time out here at the Science Center. Yeah. Um, always, uh, always sad. Uh, always, you know, we have so much fun getting out here and meeting people. We've just met so many people and checked out so many cool things. It feels like we've been here, like, all day, every day. I so when we leave, it's like, have okay. Been. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah 8.30 a.m. <laughs> yeah. Today I cheated I guess it counts, at 9. Yeah. It wow. does. Uh, and I came at 9 so that I could also check out, and, and again, you just can't see everything. We do the show at a time when there's so many of the presenters that are out there doing things. We've got a couple of ladies, and uh, we had Kim on the program yesterday with us doing her regular community report. And like Ryan, it was wonderful to have you on the set, Kim, yesterday. Welcome back. Thank you. Uh, Marshy, I, I want to say Marsha because of the promo we run <laughs> where our good friend Stephen Scott calls you Marsha. And I know it's you he's talking about because that's your favorite show. And, I, and Stephen said to say hello when we were talking yesterday. Well, that's still, I, I still can't believe you immortalized me <laughs> with my silly little tweet. There's all that from a silly little tweet? Yeah, all that. Yeah, isn't that beautiful? Uh, so That's Kelly for you. The power uh, not of me. Twitter. No, no, no. It's no. Double Tap Canada. No, I, had to take oh. money for, I had to take money to put her on here today. <laughs> um, Mars, let's wish. start with you. Let's talk about your, uh, your presentation this morning. If you could sum it up, you and Carrie Kajewski. So we did a presentation on a study on the Braille, the improvement that we could make in the availability of Braille in Canadian public libraries. And we did this study with help from the government, from the ESDC, from the uh, disability, Social Partnerships Program Disability Component, with the National Network for Equitable Library Services. And there was a group of us that got together and, dis and we studied Braille mm. and looked into what makes it, what you know, what we could do better in the library context and how we could get more Braille into the libraries and more Braille to the people that need it, want it. Saw the commitment from Sila to do more Braille, uh, the talk about how much could be made available. I don't necessarily ever think, Marcy, of Braille at a public library, to be honest with you, except, oh, there's some books that are there for show. Um, has that been kind of our history of Braille actually in our local public library? Unfortunately, yes. But if the libraries got together and as a network started to produce Braille for people who wanted it on demand, they could then share those books and they wouldn't have to be housed in one place. They could, you know, each library could have a few. And if there are Braille books in libraries, then people will be more likely to ask for them yeah. Because they'll know they're there, and that's the 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 library. The librarians now they don't know that you know 
the the customers don't know that the braille is there, so they don't come asking for it. Yep. So it's a vicious circle. But because of that, because of the you know potential change in demand and technology going where it is, is it getting harder or easier for libraries to just host the amount of braille? Well, the, I mean, if the government would put some money into it and get some braille displays out there to people, then that would help as the well. The lending and the loaning? Yeah, yeah lending, absolutely. lending a braille display permanently to you know a customer and taking care of it, making sure that it works and repairing it when it needs to. And then the libraries would just need to make sure that all their platforms for books were born accessible so that the, the Braille displays could actually read those electronic files. Mm. You know what we just saw over there? We, Marcy and I both just saw it, the Canute, which is a multi-line, nine-line uh, Braille display, 40 cells a line. I had a calendar and had books um, loaded, and it would be a way to read books. Uh, it's big. You don't really kind of keep it on the desktop. You don't No, I don't think you want to carry it. But libraries could have one, yep. right? Yeah. And load them with books, and you could go in there and sit in there and read you know, read in like the Like they would do with scanners before, when, when scanners right, were those yeah. big, huge things on their own. And then you could read almost anything that was available uh, in um, electronic Braille. Um, also, the CLS single-use Braille, I think that's a great initiative, and I've ordered a few really crisp, nice uh, books, and really, and you can keep them, or you can recycle them. Um, so it's becoming more. I think, I think it's going to even become more with the lower cost of Braille displays. The uh, nine-line display, they're thinking, it's going to cost about the same as about a 14, a little more than a 14-cell is right now wow. uh, when it comes out. Not, it's not quite ready for prime time yet, but that's pretty amazing, you know, that. And libraries could afford that. Oh. And the roles of libraries have really changed in the last few years, right, with everything going paperless and with uh, people getting a lot of handheld smart devices of their own. Um, but like you guys were mentioning, le lending of devices alone could be something that people, again, start to reinteract with libraries for. Well, that's what CNIB did way back ago. when, right? Book machines mm -hmm. and they so did. on. That's right. right. So and it would just be making it modern and well, taking and it into the public mainstream. With yes. the lower cost Braille displays, that might be happening where, you know, Sila would lend, say, a Braille display with an SD card loaded with all your books yep. to you, like they did those tape recorders. They couldn't do it with the really expensive Braille displays, but as the cost of Braille um, technology comes down, I think that would be a definite possibility, and mm. I uh, think uh, that would be exciting. Are we at that point that people out there, whether they prefer Braille or not, have the technology skills that say it was loaded, say it was sent to them via email, they want this particular book, and it was sent and unpacked that way and, and uh, right to their Braille display? I think so. Well, I, you know, it would even just be on an SD card, Kelly, loaded into the, into the unit, and they just uh, find the list of books and press enter on it and open and start reading, and when you turn them off... I've tested the Orbit several times. I haven't tested the Braille. Me, I know Tom has that. Um, and that is as easy as it is. I mean, once the books, the, the library could give you an SD card which has 100, 200 yep. books on it. Yep. You don't have to keep going back and getting more. Um, your public libraries could learn, I guess, to get things from Bookshare in that format and load them on those too. So. I think there's lots of, a lot of collaboration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you so. check it out. And we have the ability where there's not so much concern anymore that, oh, it's, it's book piracy or who are you going to give this to and so on. And 
the reality is the people you would give it to are other low vision or blind people using people Braille. Who, yeah, and it's the affordability of it, right? Yeah. It's the people who can't afford the devices, can't afford the alternative formats, can't afford the subscriptions or whatever that could go to libraries, and, and libraries should be there for everybody and anybody. Marcy, yeah. before That's we close right. this part off, go over to Kim's discussion. What um, what do we should we say in closing that you guys think, where do we go now to make this happen? We go to the government, first of all, because I really think that if the government puts some money into giving people Braille displays and that would encourage libraries to do more, we need to go to the library sciences schools and start teaching accessibility more than just a passing thing so that people come into the, the library sciences knowing a little bit more so they're not concerned about how they deal with people they just they know um, so yeah if they just if everybody would take our recommendations to heart it would be we'd have a library service that we could be proud of across our country mm -hmm. Kim let's talk about your presentation and put something on the table to talk about uh, I talked about using Braille in iOS um, it was a daunting topic in that it, there's a lot to cover in in a short time, but I just wanted, say, educators and everybody to know how to set up a Braille display with your iDevice, how to configure the Braille settings so that they're optimal for you, how to use Braille screen input, which is typing in Braille on your glass screen of your phone, how to, uh, just all of those things, you know, how to set them up. And I, I said something a little, a little controversial, I think, also in that we want people to know that the mainstream things are coming up there and to look into them as well before you jump in and make maybe a purchase of something that costs you know, three or four times as much. You might be able to use something that is mainstream and costs much less to do pretty much the same thing as the old, um, well, the old, I don't mean, but when we used to have to use... Um, sort of sandbox devices or specialized devices, uh -huh. we had to use those. Yeah. But now it, the option is, is not that we have to. We can use our mainstream devices with our assistive technology. And, and so I just wanted to share things that I learned from playing around with Braille and iOS for several years now. Um, and the room was packed. Like it's, it's very interesting. The more presentations I do which are about integrating the mainstream with the access technologies, the, the, the best turnout you get for those. Is that where we are now? Yeah. Because, it, I mean, we always used to say, oh, people are scared because they're getting older, they don't want to learn something new and that, but they're, often the room is filled with people 45, 50 plus oh, yeah. that are just like you. Okay, I'm glad <laughs> yeah. I'm across the table from the ladies. Like you ladies, right? Yeah. You guys embrace this stuff like 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 it's it's going out of style. Yeah. Well, well I, and and honestly, if you're growing older now and you already use an iPhone, and you already know your iPhone. And when Why you lose you? your sight, you yeah. can just go to voiceover and you don't have to change mm -hmm. device. And but most of don't. us are using that iPhone yeah. anyway to do like Bill was in here saying. And all of a sudden to think about, yeah, I'm more comfortable typing in Braille anyway. Well, Bill, today we've, uh, we're just turning on a feature here. Go ahead and do that. 
And that's yeah. basically what happened. But and is that how easy it is, though? Like, I mean, it, conceptually, it, yes, right? And theoretically, yes. But are people going, yeah, it's that easy for me to use Braille again? I mean, there are very significant differences in doing it electronically. I think, I think it is. I mean, there is a learning curve to everything. I really mm-hmm. do. But I think I use Braille more now than I did in, in a, a sort of a middle period between yes. when I first started using hard copy Braille. And, uh, and, and I do think that once you know how to set it up and use it, you can use it uh, really effectively and well. And you can set it up now in iOS 12. You can set up so many commands. You don't even have to take your phone out of your pocket. You can use your Braille display to turn on Siri, to, to open voiceover settings, to to do everything, your your notifications, your control center, everything like that. So I think really it is. You just need to know, and that was what we were trying to go through. This is how you set it up. This is what you want to play with to find out more. And uh, Ryan just said uh, he was in, and he said, I have lots of questions for you. So that's also what we like, you know, like I'm happy to talk it through because it can be a bit overwhelming, you know, and that there's a lot of settings. Ryan and I... Um never grew up as Braille users. Both of us were print users. I used hard copy for a very long time. Um, I didn't necessarily lose vision. Ryan did. But I just had an interest to start learning Braille, so I learned grade one. But um, what I'm hearing, from what I'm hearing today, it's like you guys make it sound so cool. It's like the in thing and how fast you can type when you have Braille on your uh, iOS devices and uh, how much, you know, how much quicker you can get things done just to go back to using Braille with the technology, right? It makes me think, oh, well, if there's a faster way for me to type, I wonder if I'll go through the learning curve of learning Braille in the first place just to do that. Maybe, you know, and also I think, um, I think one of the presentations I went to today, Natalie's presentation, We're talking about how we educate people to say you don't have to read novels in Braille. You don't. You can use Braille for labeling. You can use Braille for um, everyday everyday Yeah. 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 And so you 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 we want to make it cool for everybody to at least learn, like you said, grade one. At least learn grade one and the numbers, and then you can do some of these things or make your grocery list or read a recipe or something. You don't have to read novels in Braille Mm -hmm. if you don't want to. So, again, it's how do you get past that kind of Braille is hard, Braille is... And Braille was bulky, like when it was Perkins Braille. It was bulky. This is where technology (laughs) came along, and we jumped to do iPhones and whatever because there was no pages of Braille. How do I take what I've got there or this verse of Braille that's too big? Now, like you said iPhone in pocket, and you have word capability to write your things, send text messages, you'll pull up Siri, everything like that. And you're doing Uh, it at the speed that everyone else is doing it at. And And your phone doesn't get stolen. (laughs) In the format that you like. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what's interesting is even though the single-use Braille, I'm a big component of that and hard copy Braille, but I I don't envy the idea of lugging the books. Mm -hmm. I I like to download what I want to download and read what I want to read myself. And, uh, you know, so it's, it, I, I struggle. I want to support that initiative, and I probably I will get some more single-use Braille. But I, I also feel, oh, I don't want to carry it from the yes. post office All the time, Yeah, Marcy, I'm going to start with you. In closing, any comments, anything we, we want to know, yourself, feelings for the conference, Braille itself? Well, I wonder if, uh, if Ramya were, <laughs> learns Braille, 
And she wants to start typing in Braille, whether that'll be the one thing that'll get her over to iOS. Oh, my gosh, Marcy, you read my mind. I'm thinking, okay, Android better hop on this really quick because yeah. faster than I learned grade two Braille. And those cookies were awful. Yeah, thank no, you. No, they were good. Yeah, good. So we're so four, three. Three. They were good. Five, four. The five, four. Yeah. In the good favor. In the bad favor. No, 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 no. Stop. Go do your math. Can't believe these Why are you're learning closing Braille. remarks. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. Uh, ladies, thank you very much for both participating, being on our little roundtable here, sharing in really wonderful presentations to, to you guys and everybody here. Thanks again. Thanks for having us. Yes, thanks for having us. Community reporter Kim Kilpatrick joining us on set. And, of course, one of our listeners and also a wonderful presenter and someone I've known for years and Thank God she's now really into this iPhone technology. <laughs> it's about time. Marcy Yale. Yeah, but you're a lot faster at learning it than I ever was. <sighs> we'll take a break, and we're going to wrap up this AMI Audio Live presentation from the floor of the National Braille Conference in a moment. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Shaun of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts. Hi, I'm Stephen Scott. Join me every day for Double Tap. It's a show where we occasionally talk about technology for blind and partially sighted people. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts.